you are eye crust. It's better to see you with, my dear. You are naval lint. Expensive naval lint. You are! Don't go much lower. They'll take us off the air. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are and even if you have some trivia to disclose. Our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com and we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. Shauna is going to do the introduction music to Funeral for a Doornail. Whenever something suspenseful happens on the podcast, we're going to play that music now, Trey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, when something else suspenseful happens on the podcast, I will use that as the overlay music <laughs> while you are talking, yes. Shauna. Yes, please do. We've, now we have to conjure up something suspenseful for the podcast. That's right. We haven't recorded for a while, Shauna. I know. We were trying to figure out when the last one was. We had a live. Yeah, I think we recorded early October, which was Witness. Okay. Yes. And, of course, our Jay Daniel interview. That's right. Yeah. In between that. Yes. An actual podcast. It's been a while. So, hi, Grace. Hi, Shauna. Long time no see and hear. I know. Well, we hear from each other, but uh, we don't always see each other. Yeah, that's right. All right, we are here to discuss Funeral for a Doornail, which is from Season 2, Episode 17. It first aired on the 29th of April, 1986. They must have recorded this on my birthday week that year, Shauna. Ah, just for grace. <laughs> it was directed by Alan Arkish. It was written by Jeff Reno, Ron Osborne and Charles Egley. The story was by Jonathan Lempkin. The guest stars, Granville Van Dusen. A special guest star was Jeffrey DeMoon, Terry Hafford, and Leslie Ackerman. The synopsis of the episode, depressed after the apparent death of his wife, but unable to bring himself to commit suicide, a man decides to hire a hitman to kill him in three days' time so that he can get his affairs in order. While he's at the lawyer's office to amend his will, he looks down to the street below and sees his wife walking down the street towards the building. By the time he runs down to the street, she has disappeared. 
He then hires Blue Moon to find her and to also stop the hitman from murdering him. Unfortunately, the client dies anyway in a car bombing, which leads their investigation into a different direction and a new suspect. Maddie also invites David to attend her cousin's wedding in Chicago with her. He says he would be delighted, but Maddie is not happy about his enthusiasm. They agree to make it a business proposition, so Maddie can pay David for being her escort. David is very disappointed, however, when they have to cancel going to the wedding due to this very interesting case. Yes. And we begin with a telephone ring from another century. How, <laughs> how, how old does that ring sound? <laughs> yes. I've actually yeah. got one of those. <laughs> Do not, you? Yeah, it's not connected, but it's, it's out there. I bought it many, oh God, before I was married. It was like it was yeah. an antique shop, so I bought it. And I bought it, but I, <laughs> the funny thing was I could never use it because what would happen, as soon as I plugged it in, when somebody rang me, they got the engage signal. <laughs> mm, really? So it ended up being a dust collector, put it that way. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so this whole phone call, this whole opening scene with uh, Roger Clemens, you know, getting the phone call while he's in France, Paris, the whole thing is like very dated. This is, you know, really dates the show. It's the ring, her talking about they received a telegram about the death. She's yes. talking in French at yes. first, but she's saying yeah. we've received a telegram. It's like a telegram. How long would it take to get a telegram there that Mrs. Clemens, you know, is dead? She says it very dramatically. <laughs> she does, know. doesn't she? Yes. And this lady yeah. doesn't get a credit from what I can see. Okay. The voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're right. She says it very abrupt. Your wife's dead. Mr. Clemens, we have just received word from Los Angeles. There has been an automobile accident. Mrs. Clemens is dead. That's <laughs> the point home. And he's confused because he's half asleep. So he's like, yeah. what? Yes. Yet he's in Paris. He's in France, wherever he is in, mm. in France. I'm assuming Paris. And once he finds out about his wife's death, somehow he makes it from France to L.A. (laughs) to oversee the car wreck and the police talking to a witness. And (laughs) it's like, how is this possible? I mean, a telegram must have taken days to get there. And then, you know, in this time, it would take him a while to get back. Well, you would think I I checked that because it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, a flight from Paris assuming he's in Paris to LA is 11 hours and 45 minutes so I'm thinking okay even if he got on the plane straight away and if it only just happened which it wouldn't have the police are still there the barricade's still broken um (laughs) they're talking to a witness yeah no no and he's got his full suit on and so does the witness yeah of course I didn't look at the witness (laughs) Yes, the witness has a full suit on as well. Of no course, way. it's moonlight, you know. Oh, yeah, it's funny. like he's right there, fresh at the scene. You know, you see the skid marks. Yeah, it's just so, that is just really funny that they didn't think about the timing of all of that, you know. Mm. I can understand why they needed to show it. Yeah. They need to show him at the scene of the accident, but I don't know whether they needed to show everything else they could have just put a police tape around yeah, and like all that sort of thing crime but, scene or something. Yeah. 
It was funny. They should have had a policeman there with him showing him. Yes. This is where she went off. Yes. Them just showing him fresh at the scene is, you know. And I mean, the timing to check, Grace, is uh, how long would it take to get a telegram from the U.S. to Paris, you know, during that time? I don't remember how long they took. I remember when I was about 10 years old, we got a telegram saying from Italy saying my grandmother died. So how long before that she died, I don't know. Right. seems like a telegram would be a few days, I would think. You would think Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and it's a nice crane shot of him, though, looking down at the water. Yep. And then slowly the camera zooms in on his face. And I think that's what they wanted. They just wanted him looking at the area and then the expression on his face. That's all they wanted in that scene. Yeah. Kind of showing how distraught he is about the shocking news he received, which of course it would be. And I'm sure you would want to go and see the scene and how it all happened. And then Uh that slowly transitions to the fireplace at his house. Mm. And we really get a sense of him grieving, looking at pictures of her. Yeah, really, really distraught here. Sobbing, sobbing over his late wife's photos. And there were a lot of photos of her. Yeah, and there was a few photos of both of them together. So they obviously had some photos done unless they superimposed them, but it looked like they had some photos together, which was good. Yeah. You mean um, that they took for the show? Is that what you're saying? They took for the show. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yes. Trying to show like their married life. Um, But why was he burning some of them? He's trying to forget her maybe. I guess <laughs> like you're so distraught and you're like watching her burn in a fire. <laughs> you're, you're like sobbing over some of them. You're, you're like sprawled out across most of them, but you burn. <laughs> but you want to burn some. At least one. <laughs> Shorter, this is a sad scene and you're laughing your head off. Yeah, because why would you, if I was grieving over someone, I don't think I'd be taking their picture and like burning it, you know, burning it is like you, (laughs) you're really, you know, trying to forget. I mean, you know, you hate them or something. Mm. I mean, maybe it is like, I just can't look at her face or something, but why not toss them all in the fire? You know, just throw the whole lot in. (laughs) (laughs) he's in so much pain and you know what he's like he's very as we find out later he's obsessed well one of the s words um and (laughs) he just wants to eliminate her somehow from his mind because he's in so much pain but then he puts one photo in in the then he pulls (laughs) it back out he does he does yeah he does snatch it back i guess it is his attempt of like trying to forget her like maybe if i burn it she'll be a distant memory but uh yeah this man is very distraught as we see here just sobbing and sobbing and then sprawled out across all of the pictures spread out on the bed yeah there's even a wedding photo there too yes yeah we're kind of getting you know snapshots of their life there's another ceiling shot of him sprawled across the bed with the photos they're showing in every way how distraught he is so distraught in fact he you know we soon find out he doesn't want to live himself they're really setting up the scene so you understand. Um, <laughs> is, uh, my question is, is that the first time that we've heard that music? Yes. Is it? Because 
The only other episode I thought we may have heard it in was Lady in the Iron Mask, but I went back and checked, of course. No, it's different. That was different. But similar, you know what I mean? That similar tone, that drawn out, you know. Yeah. Serious, dramatic, something's going to happen music. Yes. Very, (laughs) very, yeah, forlorn. So he's sprawled out on the bed over the pictures. And yes, we're just getting a real picture of how, of course, he got a shock. He's super distraught. Can he forget her by burning the pictures? No, he can't. He snatches it back. He's, you know, we're getting that full picture. And then, you know, next um, transition is to the sexateria, which I have to figure that's a name that Glenn loved. Sexateria. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it conjures up like cafeteria. So instead of like, you know, <laughs> you know, indulging in food, you're indulging in sex, you know? <laughs> Secretaria. That's what I think of. Oh, I didn't think of that. I just thought of one of David's sayings and he he thought he'd just throw that in and put sex etc., yeah. which is really really clever, quite creative. Sexeteria. 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 See, I'm thinking of it as like like a cafeteria, but a sexeteria. No? <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know. I can't, but you know. Definitely a seedy area of town, isn't it? Packed with people. Did you recognize the area? Definitely downtown LA somewhere, but mm, no, I mean, it looks authentic. Like it looks like a place, you know. Yes, Grace, I spent plenty of time here. I mean, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, my old stopping grounds. <laughs> you might have driven through one day. It doesn't mean you've yeah, visited places. Yeah, I was trying to. I don't know the exact street, you know, and who knows if it looks like that today. I mean, L.A., I mean, it probably does, but probably does. <laughs> no, it could be totally changed, you know. Um, sure, I've driven around this area, but uh, I'm, I am always trying to recognize or look for a street name, but uh, I'm not 100% sure exactly where that is. It looks like real buildings. It looks like it's not something they stage, right? The XXX adults and all of that stuff. However, you know. I have an issue with that later, which I'll tell you when we get to it. Yes. I may have the same issue. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think Alan Arkish likes crane shots and aerial shots because it's a great shot of the neon sign panning down to Roger standing on the street looking at the store, pondering mm-hmm. whether he should go in there or not. Yeah. Um, I wonder how he found out about this place. You know, how do you find out about a place that you can go to, you know, as a wealthy man, not in this world at all? How mm-hmm. do you you know, track down so quickly a place that you can go to hire a hitman to kill anybody, including yourself. Good question, Shauna. But then again, on the other hand, being a rich man, you could find out a lot of things if you wanted to, I guess. That's true. So he goes in and he makes his way into the back. He knows right where he's going, right what he's doing. I like the way they make this place look dusty and creepy and misty the atmosphere is perfect for that sort of store it's a dingy old building and looks like it hasn't had any repairs done in years and I just like the way they mm-hmm. made it look inside it was good non-lighting <laughs> yeah it's true yes it does look very like dark and seedy in there yeah and then when he goes through the curtain the red which definitely for a place like this that's what you would just picture the old red, red. light district you know what it's the there old- for <laughs> Yes. And they literally do have red lights, I guess, that is Mm. indicating which one is occupied and which one is open. And 
yeah. and all that. But yeah, he really, he knows exactly where he's going, doesn't he? It's like to the back, door three, it's open, it's ready, it's available. She's there waiting, etc. He's yeah. a man on a mission. Yeah, it's funny because like, I remember the first time I watched it and I'm like, what's going on here? Well, why is he going in there? What His wife just died. What's he doing? You know? And he knew exactly yeah. where to go. So I'm thinking, what's up here? What's up? Yeah. And in this room, are you always trying to read what's written on the wall, the graffiti? I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I always look at it and think Blue Moon does it all or something because it's got BM. Oh, okay. What do you yeah. think? That one, it's so like BM does Alley, I thought. They're um, hard to read, you know, but I okay. like I'm always convinced there's going to be some secret like funny messages or you know some like in jokes you know written on the wall there but I can't read too many of them unfortunately but yeah the same one that you're talking about blue moon does it all yeah yeah I don't know but that's what I was thinking bm does alley I don't know because I was thinking who's got an initial bm and I think well blue moon that's the only and Bruce is a w so then I thought I'm not going to go through the cast and crew (laughs) it could be anybody so oh my god (laughs) That would be amazing if it said BW does all or, or does Ali or does, does them all. <laughs> you know, they're not even, uh, you know, pretending Yanky anymore janky. about the line out the trailer. You know, it's just right out there. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yes. I wish we could read more of the graffiti. If anyone else can uh, make out what it says or what any mm-hmm. of the graffiti says, maybe someone has a clear picture on a big screen TV or something. Let us know. <laughs> and I love the sound effect that that sliding window makes. Boom. <laughs> you know, I love yeah. the sound effect on that. It cracks me up. Very imposing. Right? It is, isn't it? And I love this actress. I love this girl. She's perfect for this part. She sure is. And who is she? Her name is Leslie Ackerman, mm-hmm. and she's from New Jersey as well. From 1956. Um, she's known for The Incredible Hulk in 1977 and Joyride to Nowhere. And then in 2000, she did something called What's Eating You. Her career began in 1974. She just did a lot of small parts in TV shows. She was Sylvia in uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah. And of course, she's another one who was in the Twilight Zones TV series, like a lot of them seem to be. Mm-hmm. And she just did this one episode of Moonlighting. But the last thing she did was in 2000. So that's Leslie Ackerman. Yeah. You know what else is perfect? Her hair, the 80s hair. Right. Yes. And just her simple robe and her facial expressions of, you know, kind of like shock and oh. awe, you know, or yeah, or just like nonchalance about this yeah. setting up a killing. Who is it you want killed? Simple question. Uh-huh. She knows what he's there for. I guess she's the, she's the booth. You know, yeah, and you're right, she has great expressions on her face, especially when he says, Oh, it's me, and she looks at him. What's the matter? You sick or something? She's also, I was going to say, compassionate, so she's got a great mix of to the point, who do you want killed, and then you know, compassion, but also so fits this role of like a sex worker perfectly. Mm. But she's the girl that is the liaison to the you know, contract killers and <laughs> more contract <yeah>. killers. <laughs> Yes, I know. They were just all over the place, weren't they? 
but always in a suit and tie. I'm sure they were in a suit and tie when they rigged that car later. Oh, of course yeah. they were. Yeah. Well, they had to enter the building, so they had to look like business people. That's true. That's so I've true. already visualized yeah, just... that. I've already organized that for the writers. That's all done. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> done and done. I just like how Roger, he's also great. He's kind of unsure, you know, he picks up the phone, but he won't fully put it to his ear and mouth, you know? That cracks he's, me up. Yeah, he's, a, he's going to die, but he doesn't want to touch anything. What's the <laughs> difference? You're going to die anyway. Just put it at your exactly, ears. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I know, exactly. And I just love how it's like, I want to die. I want to hire someone to kill me, but not today. I've got to get my affairs in order. I need, I need a few days to, you know, it's like, who cares? Who cares? Just, you know, <laughs> kill me now, you know, who wants to live a few more days? And, you know, I mean, of course we know why he needs a few more days, you know, ultimately for the plot line, but uh, yeah, it's just funny. He's really got to get his affairs in orders, but he's like a man that has a to-do list. You know, I've got to mm. go set up the murder, get my affairs in order, sort my will out. And, you know, it's funny. I just thought it was funny how he wouldn't put the phone up to his ear, yet he touched it anyway. Um, yeah. And he's walked into that place to start with. Even walking into that place is a I problem. Know. Okay. So going in there, not putting it to his ear, and I just thought that was funny. But, yeah, you're right. She's really cute, and she's like, You're supposed to talk to me. I don't know whether he's really sure he wants to do it. He might have some second thoughts, but he can't live without her, so... This is the only way that he can think to get out of it, I guess, get out of the pain. Now, this woman has this little slide drawer for him to put the, <laughs> you know, in a place like that, what would she normally be using that for? I mean, there's a, a coin drop to put the money in to open up the big door. It's like a bank, right? It's so funny. It just reminds me of my teller days years and years and yeah. years ago where yeah. that's what we had for the business customers that brought in really? a lot of cash and coin. So mm -hmm. they'd have to put it in this thing and then we'd slide it across. And I just laugh every time I see this thing because I'm thinking, what mm -hmm. the hell is that doing in a sex booth? <laughs> exactly. What would she normally be using that for? That's what I was wondering, you know. I mean, She's got her cigarettes and her lighter. I, yeah. yeah, and like... Surely the other girls would use that booth when she's not there. So yeah. aren't they wondering what the hell is this thing? Why is this drawer in this booth? I know. <laughs> yeah. me up. I don't know what they would use that for besides, you know, I guess other people use it. I mean, or is this the booth? Does this place that she's working in know that she's running, like a, she's a liaison for a hitman service? It could be a front. The shop could be a yeah. front for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. yeah. Could be. Um, but she does take her clothes off and everything. So she does both. She's not just the Agnes de Pesto of Sexeteria, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the receptionist. <laughs> the receptionist of the Sexeteria, whatever it is. Six, six, et cetera. Six, et cetera. Sorry. Mm. Okay. Six, et cetera. All right. Sex, et cetera. I got it. Okay. You know, it takes me a while sometimes, Grace, you know? Now, what I don't understand is he needs it done on Friday because he needs to get his affairs in order. Um, he doesn't care how or when, but he just needs the time. So he slides the money over to her. How's her face when she sees the money too? Her face lights up both times when she, see, <laughs> when she flicks through the money. It's hilarious. Yeah. So they leave it at that, but how does she know who he is and where he's going to be? Yeah. 
was there information in the envelope maybe i mean we just saw no. money but i thought of that no okay unless it's he's written it on the envelope but it's not mentioned at all i need you to do this here's the money so as far yeah. as the viewer is concerned does she have esp or something or <laughs> did he fill out a form <laughs> well she doesn't know his name she doesn't know his address she doesn't know where yeah. he goes unless the killers are already there and they follow him out. That's the only way. But anyway, that's another little yeah. thing. No, I know. Yeah. I mean, I guess we don't see the end of their interaction. Maybe he gave her more information. Yeah. You know. Possibly, yeah, because it does I mean, end abruptly, I guess. Yeah, he would have to. Come join our Facebook community at Fans of Moonlighting the Podcast and our Instagram community at Moonlighting the Podcast. Imagine the suspense and the anxiety of you could be killed anytime, any place, in any way, you know? <laughs> I, I couldn't. Yeah, terrible. I couldn't live with it, you know? Yeah, that would be so crazy. Yeah. yeah. You'd be looking so, over your shoulder all the time and even if you did organise it. would be like a hell of a few days. Yeah. Yeah, a hell of a few days. In case know? they did it early. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, these people, obviously, they're in Enjoy. some kind of a nefarious business mm. so are they going to really stick to a schedule you know <laughs> they could do it early or they could do it two weeks from now or something and then you'd be in agony like suspense like are they ever going to kill me or what you know? <laughs> that's right <laughs> i tell you what though this guy gets around now he's at his lawyer's office yeah oh he's a man yeah he's he's got a day planner he's got appointments <laughs> he's got the sex cetera place so far he's been in Paris he's been at the accident area he's back home mm -hmm. in front of his fireplace which I don't mm -hmm. think you would need that often you would think in Los Angeles but anyway then he's at the bookstore and now he's at his lawyer's office busy That's man true. I know and long opening how long is this opening grace do you know the opening goes for nine minutes and something seconds and he's yeah. taken up nine minutes of our time Mr. Clements. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes, like we've said in recent episodes, it's like a quick setup and we're in Blue Moon. This one, really, there's a long setup for Mr. Clemens and the mm. wife dying and him setting up his murder and him going to check his will. Yeah, which I always just think of them stretching out time a little bit, you know. Yeah, it's definitely what's happening in this episode, even though you do get your good share of Maddie and David. So. Yeah, and I think that's the trade-off. You get a lot of them together in this episode, which is wonderful, but you get a long lead and you got to wait 10 minutes for it. So he's walking around his lawyer's office, waiting for his lawyer to come out, just walking around. Then his lawyer comes out and says, Jill is trying to find the file with your will in it. Just a few minutes. What do you mm -hmm. mean trying to find the file? Why wouldn't you know where yeah. it is? Are you not a lawyer that's got organized people working for you? Yeah. How could you not find this file? Yeah. Very weird. The lawyer comes out of an office when he sees Roger Clemens standing there. Yep. I think on the door, there's a name written, which says Daniel. I think maybe he's coming out of someone's office. I'm just wondering, you know, if it's a little reference to Jay. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I noticed that. He's with a like an older gentleman in there, so I don't know. Yes, he comes out with an older gentleman, but there's also somebody else in that office in the background. I remember that. Mm -hmm. So maybe it wasn't his office. Yeah, it might be someone else's office. Okay. This is like the busiest lawyer office, right? There's like people everywhere helping oh. people, sitting around in desks. Yeah, I guess that's why they're a, trying to find. 
So what does Roger do? He goes to the window and -hmm. looks out the window and lo and behold, he sees his wife Celia walking down the street, which happens to be Wilshire. You saw that, I'm sure. Yeah, big sign, Wilshire Boulevard, a place they filmed a lot. Well, it's a big main street, isn't it? It's very long, isn't it? Yes, it is. But this like Wilshire downtown district, this Mm. particular area, they were there a lot. Yeah. Yellow dress, beautiful woman walking down the street. You think she'd hide out for a little bit, you know, and not be like dressed to the nines, like walking down the street, you know, after she's faked her death and (laughs) hiding from her husband, who's obsessive. You know, you think you'd lay low for a little bit, you know. You go to the busiest area of town and she must know where his lawyer's office is. They were married, you know. But she explains that later, why she was there. Oh, is that when she, mm. oh, she was going to go there. Mm. But then she decided, okay, I forgot about that plot point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I really like her dress. That. It's a beautiful dress. It looks yeah. lovely on her. It's very Maddie yellow. Yeah. It's, it's not a Maddie design, but it's it's a Maddie yellow she looks lovely in it. It's a shame. I, I would have liked to have seen it a bit more. We only see it for, you know, like 10 seconds, but it's a nice dress. Yeah, cute dress and matching handbag. Of course. You have to have matching. Always a matching handbag back in the 80s. Yeah, I always had my shoes had to match my handbag, Shauna. Mm, okay. You were you were very Maddie Hayes. Oh, yeah, very. <laughs> now it's all eclectic, you know, you just whatever. <laughs> I know. Anything stretchy. No more suits and, you know, you just I know. You, you wear your trackies to the ATM. No worries. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, no one's wearing high heels and matching handbags with, you know, beautiful dresses and not on a regular old day. Yeah, not like the 50s when they used to wear those, you know, the gloves and the high uh, heels and go oh shopping and dressed up. And... I know, I know, yeah. Those were the days, Shauna. Those were the days. Yeah, those days are gone. Yeah, I know. Um, and he's like screaming to her, you know, hey, hey, you know. And what did David say? It was on like the fifth floor. Yeah. So this is yeah. where it's all wrong. Mm-hmm. Go on. <laughs> okay. So he's on the ninth floor and okay. the camera zooming down to Mrs. Clements is not on the ninth floor. It's lower. Definitely. Yeah. There's no way that camera was on the ninth floor. He wouldn't have been able to see her. He wouldn't have been sure that it was her. On the fifth floor, yeah, he could possibly recognise her from that height. And David gets it wrong later as well. Yeah. Yeah, so that part's a bit funny because he's looking from the ninth floor, but the camera is not. I mean, do you think you would be able to recognise somebody from the ninth floor? Probably not. I mean, I don't don't know. know. Depends on how close... I've never that'd, worked that'd on the tough. ninth floor. I've worked on the 21st floor. No, 24th floor, and I worked on the 31st floor. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely mm-hmm. can't recognise from that height. But um... but that was David's point too, you know. I mean, who knows if he could even recognise her from up there. But, yeah, you know, I guess in the moment if you were like you're seeing your wife or, you know, you're pretty sure you're seeing your wife, I guess you would start screaming, you know, like, hey, yeah. hey, hey, you know. You wouldn't be thinking like, oh, she can't hear me, you know, I'm way yeah. up here, but. Yeah, yeah. I think um, he possibly, from the ninth floor, he possibly could recognise her because, you know, you know your wife, you know her mannerisms, you know her outfits and all that sort of thing. Yeah, It's just the yes. camera that was wrong, that's all. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a bit different. Yeah. 
And yes, then he goes into this like mad panic, you know, and knocking into everybody and making his way to the elevator and trying to get out of there. Yeah. I mean, understandable. Yeah. And of course the lifts aren't fast enough for him. So he decides (laughs) I'm running down the stairs. Yes. There's a million elevators and none of them open. Everyone's just Mm. standing there staring at doors closed. Yeah. He goes into the stairwell, making his way down onto the street. I think when they show Mrs. Clemens, you can see it says like American Savings or something like that. There's a bank, I think. I think I've looked up that area before, but yeah, that bank isn't there these days and stuff. But yeah, anyway, I know the area for sure. Okay. And people are in suits everywhere. Suits just whizzing past them, whizzing past them, suits, suits, suits. <laughs> when he's out on the streets, you know. Well, it is a business district, Shauna. People are working. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> the 80s. He gets down to the street and she is nowhere to be seen. Yeah. So she disappeared pretty quick. But then again, you know, he had to come down nine flights of stairs. Yeah, true. And if she had gone in, she would have saved his life. May or maybe not. Hmm. Yeah, probably not. No, because it was already all set up. That probably would have been even more sad because he would have seen her again. And I don't know. No. Think about that one. I don't think it would have changed anything. Okay. So a little bit about Jeffrey DeMoon. He's from Buffalo, New York. He studied in England at the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School, then returned to America and was a member of the National Shakespeare Company. He has starred in many theatre productions, both on and off Broadway, including K2, for which he received a Tony Award nomination for Best Actor. He's appeared on such films as The Blob in 1988, The X-Files, Fight the Future in 1998, Hollywood Land in 2006, Burn After Reading in 2008, and some television shows such as Hill Street Blues, Kojak, The Price of Justice, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, and The Walking Dead between 2010 and 2012. And as of 2017, he has appeared in four film adaptations of Stephen King novels, The Shawshank Redemption in 1994, The Green Mile in 1999, and The Mist in 2007. And the last thing he did, I don't know whether he's still on it, but he's in that um, TV show Billions. Oh, okay, really? Yeah. It says here he's done 63 episodes, but it says here 2016 to 2022, so he might still be working on it. I'm not sure if they're still making that show or not. And I remember him from West Wing as well. Yeah. We have an Agnes rhyme. Woo-hoo! You got it. Yes, we've got a great Agnes rhyme. Blue Moon Investigations, are you being watched? Are you being bugged? Just give us a call and we'll find a thug. Whoever is your peeping Tom, Dick, or John, we won't quit until he is gone. (laughs) Now, I don't understand this part unless there was something cut later, but the person says they're watching her and, yes, she's got a pale green dress on. Mm -hmm. I don't understand the point of this part of the scene. Yeah. It's not germane to the case. That's exactly right. That's what Maddie says. (laughs) No, I didn't understand this either. I wrote in my notes, why does Agnes always have a stalker? She always has. (laughs) She's like a creep magnet. She's always got some creep calling her, breathing heavy in the phone. Um, You know, watching her. Why is someone watching her? From where? She's always getting action in the wrong way from the wrong people. Yeah, including, you know, sodium pentothal shot. (laughs) Poor little Doug. (laughs) Yeah, you're a little darling. You're a little darling who drugs women and 
<laughs> yeah, poor Agnes. She's really um, a creep magnet, but Jeez. she's always kind of flattered, you know, like, yes, I'm wearing a pale green dress. Yes. Are you watching me right now? You know, it's like, Agnes, <laughs> hang up the phone. But um, this did not fit. I agree. This doesn't fit. You know, it doesn't come back around. They don't explain it later. It doesn't have anything to do with the case. Usually those things kind of relate. It was weird. Yeah, because it's not continued later or she doesn't tell anybody about it. It's like yeah. a filler. It's like they've called Elise Beasley in on the Friday, which is what she says in the book, that if they called me in on Friday, they needed a filler, you know. And you know what? The camera pans around to show the workers in the room mm -hmm. and then it pans around to the door with the door opening and Maddie walks in. But that yeah. cut, it's not actually Maddie walking in. It's just the door opening. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like they've done this scene without anybody there except the workers mm -hmm. in the background. Yes, they're just they're trying to cut it all together or tie it all together. I know what you mean like the door is opening, but it's not Maddie coming through the door at that moment. Yeah. Then we cut to another angle, which is a different angle. We don't always get this angle, like from behind Agnes's desk, like through the plant. That's right. You know, it's a very sharp. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know if we ever see that angle again of like Maddie coming in, you know? Yeah. That's an Alan angle. Yeah. He's got crane shots and different angles of her coming through the door. Mm. He's really like mixing things up here. Yeah. Didn't he direct the most episodes of Moonlighting, Alan? Yes. Point so Alan Arkish did 12 episodes of Moonlighting. Okay. He did Plastic Fantastic, Fetal Attraction, Father Knows Last, Both Cool Hand Daves, Tale in Two Cities, Comeback Little Shiksa, A Trip to the Moon, I'm Curious Maddie, Maddie's Turn to Cry, The Sun Also Rises, and Funeral for a Doornail. Hmm. I did a list of the top five directors as far as how many episodes that they actually did. The one that did the most was Alan. The second on the list was Peter Werner with nine. The third on the list was Christian Nyby the second with seven. And then the fourth and fifth are a tie between Paul Krasny and Dennis Dugan with five episodes. However, Christian does share the directing load on The Bride of Tupperman with Will McKenzie. So that's our top five directors for Moonlighting. I guess from that list that you just read, uh, sounds like this was the first one that he directed. Yes, it is. And he made a cameo. Look at him. Yes, a very young Alan Arkish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the first one he did, yes. And Peter Werner, yeah. And then, then he did The Sun Also Rises, but then he doesn't do one for a while. And then he comes back. He does a lot in, um, sounds like, later season three and then season four and five, right? Yes. Interesting. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
So when Maddie comes to the door, her isn't her demeanor a little different? She's like, chill, Maddie. She's like, relax, Maddie. She's like, morning, Mr. Pesto. Morning, Miss Hayes. Is Mr. Addison in yet? About 20 minutes now. Hold all his calls for the next couple of minutes, will you? Yeah. It's not an angry Maddie. It's not a fast-paced Maddie running into her office. She's yeah. quite calm because she needs a favour. I guess why. so. Is that what she's calm? She's got something on her mind, I guess. She has. And then they do a very funny sequence, this whole <laughs> I love it. synchronized dance they do. You know what cracks me up? No, she no. walks in and all she has to do is look behind the door. That's all she has to do. Oh, I know. I put that too. And she just turned around and that's, of course, you know, that's where the knocking was coming from, you know, <laughs> like, but you know what the funny thing is? That's why, of course, one of the reasons, you know, that I just love moonlighting so much. They do this suddenly kind of sticky thing, you know, where it's like knock, knock, knock. And it's like, you know, whatever, like her scratching her head and doing these movements and, she and puts her whatever. finger on her chin mm, thinking and and it's not something that they normally do but it totally fits into moonlighting it doesn't seem weird you wouldn't be like why are they doing this or anything you always get caught up in just the fun and frolic <laughs> whatever they do you know and he does a lot of like breaking the fourth wall in this episode a lot yes i counted them okay mm. um so, but no matter what they do, they just could get away with so much because, yeah, it's just not, no other show could get away with like just these funny things that they do, these interesting things that they just like, oh, let's just do this kind of sticky, you know, mirroring each other and it works, you know, they kind of do that and then they just go back to like regular banter and it all flows. Yeah. I think they were working further from what they did in Sleep Talking Guy when she's sitting down and when he's trying to butter her up for a raise and she's going, says who? Says who? Says who? You know, and they, they do that thing and he stands behind her. Yes. So they've just um, basically added to that and <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. <laughs> yeah, this kind of thing I can almost see. It's almost like you're getting a glimpse at something going on behind the scenes, like them being playful or kind of like something that they find funny or that they like kind of joke about, you know? Like, for example, you know, when they do this whole sticky thing and they're out in the main office and then they go back into his office and she like sweeps her hand yes. and he does this like showboaty thing yes. with his arms. Uh, it's like they do that in Camille as well. So it's almost like mm. you can see that they kind of think they're doing this like sticky thing and then it kind of bleeds into the actual show. They're like, oh, yeah, let's do that. You know, mm. you know what I'm saying to me? I don't know if everyone feels like that. I get, the yeah. I get the in joke. Yeah, I get the in joke. Yeah, I get the impression that they really enjoyed doing it. They look like they're having fun. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's almost like you're seeing some kind of in joke play out. Something that they're joking about behind the scenes play out. I have an example which just reminds me of what this might be. Uh, do you remember in the Atomic commentary, Bruce was saying, you know, they were saying how much they love that dialogue and the dialogue, no tune or I. And he says, no tune or I, but mm. I only wish that I could play it for you, you know? And then he said to Sybil, remember for like four episodes after this, we always said no tune or I, you know? <laughs> like, yes. um, so you could almost see them like behind the scenes being, you know, joking about like, you know, calling back to like those words and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. So this kind of thing reminds me of, I don't know. I just kind of like correlate the two where it's like funny things they would do behind the scenes. Like 
well, there's probably a lot of Stooges jokes because Sybil even starts doing the Stooges stuff, even though that's more of Bruce's thing. To me, that's just behind the scenes kind of playfulness that is bleeding into the show. I don't know if you get the same sense, but. I do too. And I, when I watch this, I just, I don't see the drama. I don't see the problems that they had. And I know that's not what, how it was, but especially in this mm-hmm. episode, they look like they're having fun and they're in the same cuts together. I get the feeling that they're enjoying it and everything's good. And they organized mm-hmm. themselves a position they would, you know, I mean, I'd love to know whether it was in the script or whether they decided to do that. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about yep. it, there's no dialogue. So could it have been a filler just to fill in another couple of minutes? You know, you don't know. I don't know. Well, I know. And that's kind of, you know, when we had Glenn on and one of our questions to him was, did they come up with some of this stuff themselves or Mm. was it in the script? I mean, and he said, not that he remembers every single thing and, you know, that it was mostly in the script. And I don't know how much time they had to be spontaneous. like, oh, let's do this, you know, but I totally agree with you. I think we have reviewed other episodes where you could like feel the tension. Yeah. You know, and I think it was like Tupperman or something like that in the beginning. You yeah. could feel the tension between them and it wasn't it wasn't good, you know? Yeah. yeah. This one, does... yes, they they're getting along here. Mm. The tension is good. The vibes are good. They're playful. Mm. Yes, totally. Maybe it's because they're coming to the end of the season and they knew, you know, just a few more to film or who knows, you know what I mean? All those things. You know. Well, maybe they knew they had a bit of time off with this episode because for nine minutes you don't see them at all. And that's mm-hmm. that's a long time. Mm-hmm. It's not the longest yeah. time. It's not the longest one. But they made it interesting, you know, at the start to um, oh, yeah. rope you into what's going mm-hmm. on. It was yeah. a good opening. Yeah. Definitely not time wasted or anything like that. Not too much, mm-hmm. you know, information. But yes, I definitely agree with you that Sybil and Bruce are getting along here. They're having fun. They're being playful. Yeah. No, I don't think it was bad all the time no. on the set. I think it would have been a bit of a roller coaster ride, to be honest. Yeah, you can be mad and angry all the time. And we know that they had affection for each other. Like in our Jay interview, he said, if moods were good and everything was, you know what I mean? And that means that sometimes moods were good. And, you know, that was a fun place to work. Bruce said that too on, um, on David Letterman, that there should be a show about the making of the show because so much, so many funny things happen. Yeah. Funny things happen off camera. And that's when the camera should be rolling. I know. I wish oh today we might have a show about the show. You know, oh today, my god, I would so happen. love that. Oh my god, it's my dream. Amazing. <laughs> I think Sybil loves this madcap kind of stuff too because she's a fan of movies. It's kind of that Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn kind of dynamic. You know, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's fun. Can I go back to when she knocks on the door? Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see this episode, it just reminds me of the Big Bang Theory with Sheldon and Penny. Have you watched that before? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So when Sheldon goes to Penny's apartment, whenever he goes there, he has to knock and say her name three times. So he goes, Penny, Penny, Penny. What's the word, hummingbird? And every time he knocks on the door, it just cracks me up. Because one day Penny got him back. So he goes, Penny. Sheldon. Penny. Sheldon. Penny. Sheldon. And he goes, oh, what? Oh. So she gets him back from behind the door. <laughs> oh, that's it, funny. 
I wonder if they stole it from moonlighting. I know, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. And also, may I add, her outfit is one that we've seen before in The Lady in the Iron Mask and Atlas. She wears it in the beginning of Atlas. I like this outfit with the stripes. It's a nice jacket. It's a nice outfit on her, definitely, yeah. They're reusing it, which is good, I always say. Yeah, some of the outfits, though, she wears more than others, you know, like this one she wears a lot, the brown one she wears a lot, the brown jacket. Sometimes there's a different blouse underneath. Then some they don't. Like, I love a dress that she wears at the end of My Fair David that has little tiny hearts on it. And it's like this pinkish dress, like a full dress, you know, not skirt and top. It's so beautiful. And we never see it again. You know, I just wonder why sometimes we see outfits again and again like this one. And sometimes, you know, we never see them again. I wonder how they decide what she's going to wear, what color, what Mm -hmm. is a deciding factor for this particular scene for her to wear this dress? Yeah. But I think possibly she had some favorites and this might have been something that she liked to wear. Yeah, maybe it was more comfortable or maybe they just like the color. Supposedly they weren't supposed to wear blue. Yes, except on Atomic. (laughs) Yeah, except on Atomic. Yes. So anyway, fun scene with him mirroring her and it's silly, but it's moonlighting. It works. And then, of course, she goes out to the main office like, Mr. Pesto, he's not there. Hi, Mr. Addison. (laughs) (laughs) I like how he turns to the camera before they walk out and pokes his tongue out. Yeah. Yes. So that's number one. (laughs) Of him looking at the camera. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, I love his like, David, Maddie. (laughs) And he imitates her with his hand. Exactly. See, this is a, you know, you know, because it's a single camera show. So we're not getting that at the same time. So he's doing that later. Mm. He's remembering that she jumped around and like put her hand up and then and he does the same thing, you know. That is true, Shauna. Yeah. And that is, you know, the great acting of the show, you know. Is there any way we can talk? (laughs) How about using our mouths and tongues? Mr. Pesto, I can't find him anywhere. Hi, Mr. Pesto. David. (gasps) Maddie. I was just looking for you. You were? What a coincidence. (laughs) Here I am. Is there any way we can talk? What if we use our mouths and tongues? (laughs) Very Glenn. That's the first time he mentions tongue in this episode. Okay. It's just funny how it's like she has to say your office. You know, it sets up the line for him to say. Don't put one over on you. That is my office. All the little sarcastic remarks. And David being very goofy here. Very playful. (laughs) And they do that little arm swooping thing and him doing the, you know, little showboaty thing, which uh, they do again in Camille. And I think we may see that in another episode. I can't think of it offhand though. But it's funny um, how Maddie does that. She does the swoopy hand thing to welcome him into his office. It's not something mm-hmm. she normally does. They're being very animated. They're being very like yeah. playful. That's yeah, why you not- can feel that the mood is good. Yeah. So. It's a lot of physical comedy in this episode. Yeah. It's fun. It. It's really fun to watch, you know? And uh, David swoops in and he sits at his desk and puts his feet up. (laughs) Yeah, and he's looking forward to the chat because he's like, oh, she wants to come and talk to me in my office. This is good. Yes, yes. His face is very much like, yes. And she's looking at him like, hmm. Mm. (laughs) I need a favor. He's like, done. (laughs) I need a favor. Done. Now, anybody else in the world would go, oh, really? Thanks. My gosh, Maddie, I know. No, no. We can't have that, can we, Shauna? No, no, cannot have any pure joy. I can't think of anything I wouldn't want to help you with. And then (laughs) 
She says it involves a wedding. And he's like. Actually, a thought does come to mind. <laughs> David. Yes. Why, did he think that she was proposing? Well, if she was, why wouldn't he want to marry her? That's right. Of course he wants to marry her. Don't, so why, like, stop why, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, this is what we love so much about David in these first few seasons. He is so there for Maddie. He is just always there. Like, what do you need? Anytime, any place, you know, he's just so willing and eager to like help her all the time, you know? Yep. She doesn't see it as a positive thing. Oh, I know. And she's annoyed. It's like, Maddie, why are you annoyed? You can now go to coffee.com slash moonlighting the podcast. That's ko-fi.com slash moonlighting the podcast and buy yourself a door slam. Yes, that's right, a door slam. Some devoted Moonlighting fans have contacted us since we began this project to find out how they can support us. As you are well aware, Shauna and I do this with great joy and we have so much fun creating this podcast every week and interacting with you guys on social media and via our fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com email. So we would be ever so grateful for any small donation that you can make. Maddie would be proud. So yeah, let's talk about that. Those couple things. Why does it annoy her that he wants to help her and he's so eager and everything? Is it just she doesn't want him to get the wrong idea about taking him to the wedding? That's what I thought. She just doesn't want him to think that, as she says later, that him wanting to know what the sleeping arrangements are. She doesn't want him to be delighted. She just wants him to go, what do you need? Um, I want you to come. Yeah, all right. Well, if I have to. That's the response she yeah. wants. Or like, oh, wedding? No, I don't want to go to a wedding. Come on, David, you know, come with me, you know. Does he make things too easy on her? Does she like more of a chase? Sometimes if someone is like your little puppy dog, you are a little bit like, it is a little off-putting, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So maybe that's what it is, partly that, that he's just too eager. She prefers a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, maybe he's not challenging enough at this point. Um, He's just too eager to help and she doesn't want him to be delighted. And probably she just doesn't want him to get the wrong idea. Like, no, David, you know, just because I'm bringing you to this wedding doesn't mean, you know, it is a funny, kind of a funny thing for her to ask him. If you think of them at the wedding, of course, they're together a lot and stuff, but like bringing him as an actual date. She must be desperate. (laughs) Yeah. And this whole dynamic of her and the dentist. So it sounds like she's gone places with him before. Yeah. She's brought him as a date before this Jordan NSM. (laughs) Military guy, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. He's nice. He's safe. All right. All right. I can fill in the rest. But as soon as she mentions the dentist, he jumps over the couch (laughs) because he wants to know more. In other words, have you been dating somebody and you haven't told me? Yeah. Mm. I know news to david i mean he must know that she dates i guess mm. i mean she has in past episodes going back i like how when she's explaining about her cousin's wedding there's a two or three shots of him in between her while she's talking and he goes oh your cousin oh oh wait a minute do you want me to then he's realizing oh she's gonna ask me to take her to the wedding yeah i like how that's done <laughs> Yeah, how he kind of works out himself. And she's kind of intimating. Yes. yes so, so nothing's exactly. really said outright. Yeah. Of course, nothing's really said outright. You know, everything is kind of between the lines. Now, of course, sorry, Grace, but we can't move on from this conversation without hmm, her cousin in Chicago getting married for the second time. 
This is Annie, is it? Oh, Annie. Was Annie married twice? Is that ever mentioned? I don't know. We don't know if she was married twice. She was married to, you know, that guy Mark at the time. But very interesting. Cousin in Chicago. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the only cousin we know about. That's the only cousin we know about. Um, so it but just think, <laughs> okay, alternate universe, you know, the metaverse or whatever. Maddie and David go to this wedding. All right. Well, definitely like cousin Annie would have been there, even if it wasn't her wedding. Yes. So they almost had this whole interaction playing out before season five even rolled around. (laughs) It's interesting because David could have met Annie in this episode. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's interesting. Like who is his cousin in Chicago? The only other cousin that we know that was from Chicago, you know, appears in season five. We won't get out of ourselves. Uh, But yeah, just anyway, you know, if you think of them as whole people in, in the whole, this whole metaverse kind of thing potentially could have met mark and annie at this wedding and how would that have changed things i think that would have been different because he'd already met the husband and then he would have recognized her in the elevator yeah right and he would know who was coming yeah whatever anyway we won't get into all that but uh just interesting that that's whose wedding it is and just interesting maddie's kind of take of a single woman going to an event like this alone like the reasons why she doesn't want to because of all the negative attention in a way that she gets, you know, and some photographer that's going to ask her if she wants to pose for some tasteful nudes. And sounds like she's gone to some of these events alone before and had like some negative experiences and she just doesn't want to like go through that, you know? Yeah. I, I really like when she explains why she doesn't want to go. I have a cousin in Chicago. She's getting married for the second time. Oh, your cousin. I can't tell you what it's like to go to a family wedding alone. Wait a second. You get introduced to everyone there who's male, single, and can still breathe. Are they you... always make sure you catch the bouquet, and you I've yet me... to meet a wedding photographer who didn't think I had terrific bone structure, and haven't I always wanted to model for some tasteful, highly artistic nudes? I don't believe it. <laughs> Very artistic nudes, oh, I know. You could understand that because of who she is. She was a model. She's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. She goes to a wedding alone. It's like, why is this beautiful woman alone? Mm-hmm. Which is a very yeah. good question. Yeah. Mm. Whole crux of the show, right? But it's so sweet when she asks him. She goes, What I was wondering was if I could get you to take me. I'd mm-hmm. be delighted. Yeah. Yeah. If, you could, if I could get you to take me, I know. And of course, she has to frown, doesn't she? Mm. Yes, of course. Yeah, and she has to get a bit angry. And they do the um, typical moonlighting, I guess, well, one of the staples in moonlighting, I should say, not typical, of him racing around in front of her to, like, stop her from leaving. Because he know. wants to go. He's, he's excited. super excited. They're going to get on a plane yes. to Chicago together and go to a wedding and do the bunny oh, yes. hop. And- <laughs> oh, I want to see that. Yes, I know. Later when he's talking about the wedding, you know, when he's like, right about now, this would be happening, that'll be happening. He's like, He's got the whole thing mapped out in his head, you know, how all of this is going to play out. And he's been to a few weddings. He's a man who knows the dynamics of everything and everybody and what happens. It's, yeah, it's interesting to hear him talk about all that. See, originally I was supposed to go with my dentist, Jordan. You got a dentist named after an almond? Like Jordan almonds. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be a thing. Haven't heard that lately, but. It's very traditional in our Italian weddings to put the coloured almonds in the little bags and, and attach them to the bomboneries. Oh, okay. Mm. Yes, almonds are involved in the wedding. So 
he leaps over and wants to hear all about this Jordan. Yes. Um, so Jordan was going to go with her to the wedding. It was all planned, but then he got bit and needs 10 days of shots. Because Mrs. Peterson bit him while she was having her root canal. What happened? Mrs. Peterson. Mrs. Peterson. Mrs. Peterson. Jordan was doing a root canal and she bit him. Bit him? Bit him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think he would have had pre-shots for that. Well, his loss is my gain. Mm-hmm. And he puts his arm around her. <laughs> there you go again, acting delighted. <laughs> and it's so good here when she goes, she's got enough to worry about without him being delighted. And when they go somewhere, he'll be rushing to pick up the check and quizzing her about what their sleeping arrangements are going to be. And then he smiles at her. <laughs> I know, his smile. What does he think the sleeping arrangements are going to be? You know, why is she worried about what the sleeping arrangements are going to be? You said you want it safe, not dead. <laughs> <laughs> safe, not dead. Which is true. All the things that she's complaining about him, like rushing to pick up the check. And they're all like actually positive things that he'd be like entertaining and like picking up the check and making sure that she has a good time. You know, like later he says to not wonder if you're having a good time, you know, (laughs) (laughs) he's totally there for you. And come on, anyone would love a guy that's like rushing to pick up a check and like making sure you're having a good time, you know, be so awesome. And these are things that Maddie complains about. You know what I would have liked if they finally agreed and they actually go and then something happens there. Yeah. That would have been I don't fun. know. Something happens at the wedding or something happens just before the wedding or they find out the groom is a contract killer or something. I don't know. We're trying to stop I the know. murder. <laughs> and we could have had that her parents been, back on. Yeah, that would have been great because I would have liked to have seen them fly to Chicago get all dressed up, get in the car, do a car scene on the way to the wedding and then get to the wedding and then walking in together, looking absolutely hot as they always do. And then the shit hits the fan. Something happens, you know, (laughs) that would be so good. (laughs) Yeah. And we've got her parents there and, you know, we get to have them back on the show and that would have been a lot of fun. I agree. Let's see them all dressed up. Let's see them at a family event. Let's see all that stuff. I agree. Yeah. So, she starts walking out. I can see this is going to be a fun weekend. Maybe we should just forget about it. Maybe we should. And she slams the door. So that's the first door <laughs> slam. But yeah. she comes back in and says, I can't. No backbone. I like that in a woman. <laughs> yes. And there's another breaking of the fourth wall. Let's see. So good. Yeah, it's funny. Like she really wants and needs David to come. But how's his face? his expression when she starts explaining how wonderful it would be if you could rent a guy, someone you could take home for Thanksgiving and Christmas and special occasions, someone you could put back in the box and return when the occasion is over. Like a tux. Exactly like a tux. Or a car. Exactly like a car. But there isn't. Doggone it. Doggone it. I know. His face, his face is like, his eyes light up in a way like he's like really intrigued by this idea. This is what she's looking for. This is what she wants. Like a rent a guy. Yeah. She really wants to be alone. Doesn't she? She does not want anyone that she has to connect with. He's just flabbergasted. He can't believe this woman. Seriously. Oh my gosh. I know. I can't but either. She starts to walk out and he stops her and says, if you feel more comfortable, he would look at it as more of a business proposition. And she's so happy about that. That wouldn't make you uncomfortable. So why is David 
Is he trying to lower her defenses? Like, all right, all right. She's all on edge about this. I'm going to take a step back and be like, all right, this is purely a business arrangement. I'll be your rent to guy. You pay me. You know, is that what he's doing? Is that why he's willing to be like, hey, you want to think of it as a business arrangement? I'm happy to go that route, you know? Yeah. Pay me some money. He wants to go, Shauna. He wants to go. I know. <laughs> Let's yeah. face it. I guess, yes. <laughs> I know. He, he, he does. My goodness. But it was a very clever way to get her to come around because he knew that if he made it a business arrangement, she'd be happy about that because she doesn't want this for some stupid bloody reason, doesn't want anything romantic going through his head. She doesn't want him to get the wrong idea. So he's yeah. like, boom, right, I'll make it a business proposition, which worked to a yeah. point until he mentioned the price. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get to that. I've got some things to say. Okay, excellent. He asked yeah. her how much and she says, all right, cost of the flight and the hotel and you'll have to rent formal wear. And But he's like, well, no, over and above. Over and, and above? Yeah, she's like a couple hundred dollars to not pick up the checks, to sleep where I'm told. <laughs> Love it. To not wonder if you're having a good time. So funny. So funny. It's like everything is such a positive, you know, what someone should be doing for somebody. And it's all a negative to Maddie. Like if you do any of that stuff, you're like, I'm really going to be annoyed. And it's great because he actually comes towards the camera and she's behind him. Yeah, it is. That's a good shot. I mean over and above. Over and above? I don't know. Couple hundred dollars? To not wonder whether you're having a good time? To not pick up all the checks? To sleep where I'm told? What's your price? $1,200 on the barrelhead. Now, (laughs) (laughs) $1,200. Okay. What have you got to say about the $1,200, Shauna? All right. What was she willing to pay him and my fair David to act like a mature adult for one week? $3,000. Was it $3,000? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was three or five. No. Okay. To act like a mature adult, that's all he had to, you know, but to go to Chicago, you know, she's pissed off about um, $1,200 when like she was like $3,000 to watch you act like a mature adult. That's a bargain. It's like the money, you know, it's kind of like how um, you're always saying the clients always name the fee, you know, it's like Maddie is mad about 1200 when she was more than willing to pay him 3000 in My Fair David to just act mature where this takes a lot more effort. You're mad about $1,200. That seems yeah, like... Yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense. I mean, if she had to get a gigolo, it would have cost her more than 1200 bucks. <laughs> and that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's saying, hey... That's what he's saying, exactly, yes. Yeah. He wants someone... Uh, what does he say? He goes... I understand your reaction. It sounds like a lot of money, but check around, Maddie. You want a guy who's reasonably good-looking, decent table manners, no open source, 1200 is what it's going to run you. <laughs> yeah. Reasonably good looking. I love that. I love it. I love hey, it. Table manners and no open sore. <laughs> Disgusting. Oh my gosh. That's what it's going to run you. It's like, keep your voice down. I figure leaks out. This place is going to be crawling with women. Yeah, women like, that's right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Paid $1,200 to bring David Addison to a wedding with me for the weekend. We really get good value in this scene. It's long enough. I didn't actually time it, but. It's a good Maddie awesome. and David scene and it's long enough. They have a good it's conversation. It's so good, yeah. Really good banter, really good conversation. You know, again, it's like we are kind of hitting a lot of the dialogue, but it goes so fast. Sometimes it's hard to cover, you know, everything that's said. But I like Maybe. it when she slams the door about the $1,200 and she mm-hmm. walks with her dialogue 
So she goes $1,200 and she makes the three steps. $1,200? Right. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's good. good. Good, simple. And the whole, you are eye crust. <laughs> you are eye crust. It's better to see you with, my dear. You are navel lint. Expensive navel lint. <laughs> <laughs> You are. Don't go much lower. They'll take us off the air. <gasps> and poor Agnes in the meantime, in between this scene, is trying to come in, tell them that the client is here. No longer, no longer are Maddie and David excited that a client has arrived in their office. They're like, not, not now, now, we're, we're fighting. fighting. It's great. I love that. And I think this is also a little bit of meta. Yeah. you know, it's like they are aware of how they fight and banter. They're so aware of it. It's like, no, we're doing this right now. You know, we're in the middle of this. This is our argument, you know? And I think almost like kind of a in joke to Sybil and Bruce, Yes. you know? Yeah. It's like, can we like get filming this scene? Not now, we're fighting, you know? <laughs> we're fighting about this scene. We can't film this scene. We're fighting about this scene, you know? Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I, think, I love yeah, how things so relate good. to real life in Moonlighting. It's so good. I know. I, yes, that is so much of the appeal. For sure. And gosh, I mean, they just look so beautiful. And he looks so handsome, of course. And this episode always has to be said. Yes. His eyes are so green, you know? Yeah. Just like mine, Shauna. Are they? Yes. Ah, beautiful. Uh, yes, the not now we're fighting and all that is um, is really good. And um, the don't go much lower, they'll take us off the air. That's another like breaking of the fourth wall. Just acknowledging that they are on a TV show. The client finally barges in because Agnes had walked in before and said, the client said he's really in a hurry. He really needs to see you. And they're like, not now. But then he barges in and they turn around and say, then they realize it's a client and they both go, hello. another hello from, I love it when Maddie says hello. It's so <laughs> She says it in God We Strongly Suspect to the Coffin. Then she says it in Sleep Talking Guy to Jerry. And now she okay. says it to Roger. It's <laughs> so funny. Yes. Does Agnes break in twice though, right? Yes. Uh, oh, I love it when she says, yes, sirs. Yes, sirs. I put, yeah, usually they stop everything for a client, but they're really going at it. Anyway, and then finally the client has to take matters into his own hands and, you know, he must be like, what's with these people, you know, just going at it, yelling and screaming, you know, going hell for leather in their office, but he's like desperate. I'm sorry to barge in, but if I don't get some help quickly, I'll be dead within 48 hours. David's like, what do you think? Oh, I'll remember where we left off. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then David does yeah. a gesture. Won't you take a seat with his hands? Mm -hmm. And it is so similar to a scene in the movie The Mask, you know, with Jim Carrey. Um, oh, really? Yeah, in the banking chamber, his friend Charlie, mm. he sees Cameron Diaz walk in and she's looking beautiful and he's trying to, you know, wants to chat her up. And, of course, she says, oh, are you Stanley Ipkiss? And he goes, you know, the same gesture. Mm. In other words, Stanley's over there. It's really funny mm. how <laughs> so many similar things in this episode that are in movies. Yeah. But I think Moonlighting is also, you know, throwing it back to, I don't know, vaudeville days or restoration comedy. Remember, Glenn said a lot of it was from that. You know, I think that there's a lot of physical comedy that I think they're throwing back to, like, if, even before them, you know. Yeah. So I think there's more history than we know. It goes back movements. a long way, even past yeah. the Stooges, you know. It's, yes. 
Yes, and it keeps exactly. carrying on through the century. Yeah, that's what I think. Yes. All right. So then we go to commercial and we don't have to hear, you know, Roger Clemens explain everything to them. But I like how the camera zooms in right up to Roger Clements showing that sense yeah. of urgency mm-hmm. when he says, oh, if I don't get some help, I'm going to be dead in, in 48 hours. And his eyes are wide open and he's, you know, really concerned. Yeah. I really like Alan Arkish's direction. Yeah, he's good. He's very good. good. Got some really good camera work going on. You can tell the difference from other directors what they like to do. Yeah, he's kind of more playful. Maybe that's why they're playful. Maybe he brought like a lighter sense of um, energy to the set. It's true because one person can change everything. One person's Mm -hmm. aura and personality can change everything because you know what it's like. One person being in such a bad mood can bring a whole team down. So Mm -hmm. it's possible. That's a very good point, Shauna. Maybe they really liked him and... I guess that would speak to why he directed the most episodes, you know, it's probably like, Hey, get him back. It was a lot of fun that day when he was here and that week. Yeah. Mm. So we're in the car again, Shauna. We're back in the car. Do you have something to say? I have a lot to say about this. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. (laughs) You go first. Well, first of all, he says, slow down, you're going to pass it. But clearly out the window, they're not in the neighborhood of the sex, cetera. Right. No. They, they look were, like they're in a they residential that, area. Yeah, they're in Hancock Park. I mean, I can tell that's an area that they filmed in a lot. Easy streets to drive around to probably just get a lot of footage. And my theory is this car scene and the later car scene were filmed at the same time. Yeah. Do you agree? Oh, um, I didn't look at that. You've said that before about another episode, haven't you? Oh, they definitely did that in Rainbow for sure. It does make sense, though. I mean, you're not going to go put the car on the tow truck and all that stuff a whole other day to film another. I mean, I looked at the two scenes and the camera angles are a little bit different. I think Sybil's wearing the same thing. And I'll I'll explain that because later she's wearing a pink overcoat. I only counted two outfit changes on this episode unless you... I know. Yeah, only two. Yeah. Um, But I think here in the car, she's wearing the same thing that she's wearing later. Yeah, she's wearing the pantsuit. Her weekend suit. Yeah. And all you see is really with her driving, all you see is the collar and stuff like that. And it's white. But I'm saying later when they're going to the lawyer's office and all of that, she's wearing a pink over thing, but she's not wearing that in the car scene. Oh. She's wearing basically what she's wearing now. Now I looked at the collar and either that or she's changed and has the white blousey thing on later, but not the pink overcoat thing oh, that right. she's wearing. Possibly, yeah. You know? jacket off. Yeah, she's never wearing the pink in the car anyway, mm. which should be part of that. So yeah. I'm sure that they filmed the two, even though the camera angles are a little bit different. David's wearing a different outfit later, da 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 yeah. But anyway, yes. Uh, so my observations basically are just that when he's saying, slow down, you're going to miss it, that's not the background of that area of town where the et cetera is. Would you have to yeah. drive through that part of town to get there? <laughs> I don't think so. Hancock Park would be uh, an affluent area, wouldn't it? Sort of further out. Yes. Mm. And if you drove through Hancock Park to then be in that part of downtown, it would take you a while. You, it's not right next door. Mm. You drive through Hancock Park, probably take a left on Wilshire, and then you'd have to like drive down a while. So they're not in the area. No. no. What were your thoughts about this? Um. Well, a few thoughts. Well, the first thing is, yeah, Maddie was really touched by the fact that Roger Clements loved his wife so much that he couldn't live without her. 
But, of course, David says, especially after he'd scheduled his big finale, tomorrow, rain or shine, no exchanges, no returns. (laughs) Yep. He's always got to do a metaphor to a product when he says about um, batteries not included in in God Mm -hmm. we strongly suspect. And he says action figures sold separately. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what I did notice during this, and I'm pretty sure I'm right, I could be wrong, but I want you to check it, that when he's talking to her, he's got his dark glasses on and I swear I can see a boom mic through the reflection of his glasses. I was going to say the same. You can see the lights. You can see the cameras. You can see the lights and cameras. And you can see there's a light. There's actually a a light sitting there. Why would a light be in front of, you know what I mean, in front of a car? Oh, yeah. But you can see it. So I paused it and I don't know if it's this scene or the next car scene, I can see somebody's head sitting there. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, were they actually driving outside or was this done in the studio? Oh, no, I think they're driving outside, but I think the car is put on a tow cart. Yeah. And there's probably crew that sits on the hood of the car. You know, I think they put three cameras. I think they put like one main camera and two side cameras, lighting. Yep. Yeah, probably someone sitting there with a microphone or something like that. Because you can see a microphone or a boom or something, and then I think you can see cameras. You can see shapes, and it's not something that you would see if he was in a car. I love seeing that stuff. I love it. (laughs) I know. Yes, it's very cool. Now, Sybil said at some point that they wore special glasses that were flat, or at least she did, to not reflect the crew and things like that. Yeah. You know? So with her glasses, you can't see anything, but with his, you can. They're reflectos. Yeah. <laughs> Even though in other episodes, you can see in her glasses things reflected, you know, crew reflected or whatever. But she doesn't turn her head a lot in this scene. So you <laughs> yeah. can't actually tell. Whereas he's gone from side to side to side, whereas she's not turning her head a lot and she's not looking mm-hmm. at him. Certain things mm-hmm. she says, she'll mm-hmm. smile, but she doesn't turn her head so you can't see. Yeah, so David's happy about this case because it's going to be over in 24 hours and they can go to the wedding. <laughs> I know his main goal is to, like, get this solved and get them to wedding. They park the car near the X-rated store mm-hmm. and the camera oh. shot from the car to the store. Yeah. This is where I think, what? Because the neon sign's not there anymore. It's gone, Shauna. It's gone. <laughs> okay. The sex cetera? Yeah, the sex cetera sign's gone. Oh, interesting. Also, did you notice when they pull the car up to the curb, it's a red curb. You cannot park there. And she's like a mile from the curb. These two can never park properly, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's, it's a common thing. Thank you for listening to Funeral for a Dawn Owl Part 1. Stay tuned next week for Part 2. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting the Podcast. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. 
Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.